All right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Ah, now you can see me better. I was like, what's going on? I'm dark. Um, today is May 5th, Wednesday. What is, what is it? Oh, Cinco de Mayo, right? Yeah, that's it. Right day, wrong date. Right day, wrong date. Did I not change the date correctly? Well, so it is. It is Wednesday, and it is May the 5th, <laughs> regardless of uh, what, what I might have written somewhere else. Huh. Uh, we're going to continue with our catechesis today from 1 Samuel chapter 10. Saul now being proclaimed king uh, to, the, uh, to the rest of the uh, people. Now, yesterday we concluded with it being somewhat secret, right? So there we go. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse together. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 110, verse 1. And our psalm for this week is Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. First reading is the continuation um, 
St. Paul's letter to the Church of Colossae, now chapter 4. This is the conclusion of the letter. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how how you ought to answer each one. Tychius, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, a fellow or my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is also called Justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epiphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea, and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church that is in his house. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to uh, Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. It's a lovely pastoral letter, is it not? To Colossae. Um, We also have two evangelists mentioned there, don't we? St. Luke and St. Mark. All right. A reading from 1 Samuel chapter 10. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzpah. And said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king! 
Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, and wrote it in a book and laid it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him, and brought him no presents. But he held his peace. All right. Uh, where did Samuel have the people gather to make the announcement? It's uh, Mitzbah. I think we talked about Mitzbah before. Came up in the last chapter, maybe, or chapter eight. It's a. It means a place of watching or a watchtower. How did Samuel begin his sermon? That's right. Talking about God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Is this law or gospel? Well, of course, it's a gift, right? So it's gospel. Good news. Uh, But then what does he proclaim in verse 19? But you have rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversities, etc. Set a king before us. Is this law or gospel? Of course, this is law because it's rebellion against God and his word. How was the king revealed then? Well, he's already been chosen, right? But he's being revealed here by uh, separating the tribes and then choosing the tribe of Benjamin and then out of the tribe of Benjamin, separating by the families and then choosing out of those families. Uh, But what happened when they looked for Saul? The son of Kish, who was chosen well, he could not be found. Um, But notice that the Lord revealed to Samuel where and to them where he was, right? Hidden among the equipment, or you might say the baggage. Um, this is not the last time that Saul is going to hide. When will he hide again? A story that you actually probably know quite well. This comes up uh, in about seven chapters. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at uh, Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damamin, and Saul And the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Um, But listen to this. Verse 10, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel today. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Right? So here we have the tallest of the Israelites um, against this mighty man from Gath, Goth, you know, the Phil- of the Philistines. And what does Saul do? He is afraid and was dismayed. In effect, he hid. <laughs> yeah. Um, here again, it stresses that physical quality of Saul, right? That he was impressive, being taller than any of the people. Again, why would this be repeated? I kind of hinted just a moment ago. Well, he would be then the logical choice of the one who, the man of God who would face Goliath, who was also six cubits and such. What did Samuel say about Saul? There is no one like him among all the people. Uh, What did Samuel explain and record for the people? This is interesting here, interesting note, verse 25. Yeah, regulations about kingship and the behavior of royalty, and wrote it up in a book. Uh, This book, uh, actually, we've already heard, well, in a sense, let's go back and see. 
I think it was in First Samuel chapter eight. Yes, exactly. Here, uh, we read this just a few days ago. And uh, Samuel said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take his sons and appoint them for his own chariots and his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He'll appoint captains over thousands. You remember all this, right? He will take male servants and female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys, and put them to work. He'll take a tenth of your sheep, etc. And then they said, no, 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 that's right. We want a king. We want that. Okay, then. <laughs> um, who accompanied Saul as they left? says, valiant men whose hearts God had touched. Interesting note. Um, but some of the rebels said, or some rebels said, how can this man save us? It's a legitimate question. So what did they do? They despised him and they brought him no gifts, right? Um, but note this, but he held his peace. He held his peace, right? So um, we see kind of, a, a, I would say, a progression with Saul. Um, it's neither good nor bad, uh, but you would say both, right? Um, certainly doesn't end well, but um, here we see a picture really of Jesus, don't we? When Jesus before, as a sheep before its shears is silent, Jesus before the charges of, uh, especially Pontius Pilate, was silent, right? When he was charged. All right. Meditation on this text. Our Lord calls us to confess that he watches over us by sending Christ, the Anointed One, to save us. We are called to faith by the preaching of the gospel. Samuel proclaimed the gospel of the Lord's deliverance of Israel from Egypt, so that Israel would watch for the Lord to deliver her from the Philistines. Samuel called them to repent because they sought a king to take the place of the Lord, who had saved them from all their enemies. Though there was no man like Saul in Israel, he would not be able to save Israel on his own. Indeed, there were those who despised their new king, even as Christ himself was despised and rejected by men. Saul was silent, as Jesus before his accusers, because Saul was waiting for the Lord to save Israel through, through the king. There are still those who question whether men who have been set apart by God's word into the office of the holy ministry are instruments by which the good shepherd watches over and saves his new Israel, the church. They are to be known only by the faithful proclamation of Christ, the crucified. All right, so we also see a type of, or pattern of the office of the ministry here too, in Saul. Good. Confess our catechism for this week, table of duties to parents, to children. Uh, before we do that, old King James said, he hid among the stuff. Oh, I like that. <laughs> the baggage. The weapons. Whatever it was. All right, let's confess to parents. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 4. To children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Uh, two things to note here before we pray. The first is um, that the role of the father, uh, the way for the father to bring peace in the household, is through the training and instruction of the Lord. Um, I think fathers often think of their vocation as being uh, really just a secular vocation, but not according to the scriptures. They, they, their primary responsibility for their children, and really in care for their spouse too, is in the proclamation of God's word. 
the teaching, the instruction um, in God's word. And it's God's word then that informs our life, right? And the way that we love one another. But it begins with faith. Um, and uh, fathers that neglect that duty to care for their children's spiritual well-being um, ought not be surprised when um, they encounter all sorts of other kinds of issues. Hmm. All right. Um, and same with children. Uh, to listen to the parents, the father namely, whom God has given you, um, is good for you. It's part of God's uh, ordering of creation, but it's an ordering for your good, not just um, in terms of discipline or structure or institution, but rather um, it's put in place actually for your benefit, right? And so St. Paul reminds us that the fourth commandment actually has a promise attached to it. Um, that is long life on the earth, right? Why? Because your parents teach you God's word, and God's word then is your guide, um, your instruction, your lamp, the lamp for your feet, etc. Um, and it shows you the way that you should go. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us the gift of children who are to be brought up in the training and instruction of the gospel of your Son. Give to all Christian fathers and mothers the strength and will to teach the word of God to their children, and see this responsibility as their most important duty. Deliver them from the temptation to abandon this sacred trust. Grant them faithfulness in their callings as parents, that they might love and care for their children, even as you love and care for them in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant your grace in Christ to all Christian children, that they might honor their parents in spite of their failings, and enjoy a long and blessed life according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. On this Wednesday, we pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children, live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God. For all parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities, and for our neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help us, good Lord, by the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for those or with those who rejoice today in the gift of their baptism, especially Deb, Esther, Sandy, and uh, Arthur, who's baptized on Sunday. We pray with Jared and Michelle, who celebrate their anniversary. Uh, we pray in Thanksgiving with um, candidate Paul Marks and candidate Robert Schrader for reception of divine call, both to our circuit. And we continue to rejoice with Aaron in the ongoing gift of healing. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for those who need the gift of our Lord's healing touch, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, Roy, John, and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Linda, Ken, Penny, and Blair, our homebound Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, and the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Lutherans for Life, and Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God, you make the minds of your faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world, our hearts may be fixed where true joys are found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Right, we're back to the season of commemorations. So today um, we'll hear about Frederick the Wise. Frederick the Wise, Elector of Saxony, from 1486 to 1525, was Martin Luther's sovereign in the early years of the Reformation. Were it not for Frederick, there might not have been a Lutheran Reformation. Born in Torgau, Germany, in 1463, Frederick became so well known for his skill in political diplomacy and a sense of justice and fairness that he was called the Wise by his subjects. Although he never met Luther, Frederick repeatedly protected and provided for him. In all likelihood, he saved the reformer from a martyr's fate when he refused the Pope's demand to extradite Luther to Rome for a heresy trial in 1518. When Emperor Charles V declared Luther an outlaw in 1521 at the Diet of Worms, Frederick provided sanctuary for Luther at the Wartburg Castle. On his deathbed, Frederick received the Lord's Supper in both kinds, a clear confession of the evangelical faith. Um, here's a handwritten letter from Frederick the Wise to his brother, Duke John. But here, a little confession of faith, huh? Highborn prince, kind, dear brother, and kinsman, herewith I send you a book written by Dr. Martin Luther, in which you will find many wonderful things. God Almighty grant that it turn out well, for truly things are coming to light which many people conceal. May God Almighty vouchsafe to us, poor sinners, that we may be improved and not made worse thereby. I would not keep this from you, since you asked me to send you whatever Dr. Luther writes, and I am always willing to serve you. I am glad the books I sent pleased you and my nephew. Please tell the dear boy, that's Johann Frederick, that I am informed that the cardinals and Romanists with their followers are taking counsel against Dr. Luther to put him under the ban of the empire and persecute him to the uttermost. But there are many other people who wish him well. God grant graciously that it be for our good. That was a, a letter in 1520, August 25th, 1520. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you provided wisdom and skill to Frederick the Wise as Elector of Saxony during the early years of the Reformation. Using his rule and authority to protect Martin Luther and preserve the preaching of the gospel, graciously regard all your servants who make, administer, and judge the laws of this nation, and look with favor upon all the rulers of the earth. Grant them wisdom and understanding that they might provide sanctuary for your church to continue to proclaim the true faith. For you live and reign with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week. At the Lamb's High Feast, we sing.
who has washed us in the tide flowing from his pierced side of Christ the victim, Christ the priest, alleluia. Where the paschal blood is poured, past red angels she's the sword. Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe, Ask of it on Paschal bread. With sincerity and love, eat we men of Alleluia. Mighty victim from the sky, Else fierce powers beneath you lie. You have conquered in the fight. You have brought us life and light. Alleluia. Now no more can death appall. Now no See a comment there from uh, Chris in the chat. Actually, good to have you all checking in. Grace, Don, Michael, uh, Eileen. I'm sure, sure Gus is there with you too. Yeah, good to have you. Um, a note about the hymns. Um, each week we choose one hymn. We sing it all week or sing particular stanzas all week. And the reason for that is to be to make you um, familiar with the hymn um, so that you can get past maybe the tune um, if it's not too familiar and be able to start uh, meditating upon the text and see it's how evocative it is. 
Um, so Chris's comment, all day hymn for me. I think that's right. I mean, it's an Easter hymn. It's also a Lord, it's in the Lord's Supper section in our hymnal. Um, but it really is a hymn that's fitting for every day and, and any day, right? To remember who Christ is and what he has done for us um, by his death and resurrection, right? So you see it all here. Um, so, uh, good. I'm glad it, it, it's uh, serving you well. And uh, it's such a lovely setting of the tune by Jan Bender, who oh, just died maybe 15 years ago. Um, it was only recently translated. First time it appeared in our hymnals was in uh, the hymnal supplement of 1969. So um, it's relatively new to us, even though it's an old uh, 5th to 10th century, somewhere in there, Latin hymn. All right. So really, uh, it's good to to come to know the hymnody of the church and, um, and merely with the discipline of daily prayer then, um, when it comes time to sing it uh, in the context of corporate worship, um, it will be on the tip of your tongue, so to speak, right? Because you'll know it well, you'll understand the tune, the text, uh, and you'll be quite ready to sing. Um, so there is that discipline of preparing oneself um, for corporate worship as much as it is about receiving all the gifts in corporate worship. All right. Lord be with you all and keep you safe. I encourage you to join us this evening if at all possible, at roughly about 7 p.m. after catechesis, my catechesis that I do, um, for a Bible study on the book of Hebrews. So I think we're still in, yeah, chapter 10 of Hebrews. Uh, So join us for that if you're able. Otherwise, we'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.